It is good to be with you guys. Since I last saw you, I have been all over the Dominican Republic and Haiti. I have been so far into the jungles of Haiti that if I went any further, I would be on the way back out. Amen? <laughs> I have been to some of the deepest, darkest neighborhoods of the Dominican Republic. Not because of who I am. Because I'm nobody. But because of who he is. And there's a lost and dying world out there that needs to hear. Say, Josh, I'm not called. Well, you know what? The prophet Isaiah volunteered. He said, here am I. Send me. God still takes volunteers, amen? amen. This morning we're going to talk about submitting yourself to his authority. We live in a world who doesn't like authority anymore. I don't know that they ever did. I'm just alive in this point in time. But they don't like authority. doesn't matter where it comes from, who it is. And Christians have the exact same problem. Now, y'all know I'm a pretty blunt guy. I've been living in Haiti and the Dominican Republic, and they're both pretty blunt cultures, so it hasn't really helped me become more tactful over time. <laughs> so y'all just bear with me, amen? But before we get into the sermon this morning, I just want to show y'all a few, few, uh, few photos of what the Lord's been doing uh, in the Dominican Republic. The main area that T and I work in is in Harabacoa, Dominican Republic, and we work with the youth group of Iglesia Bautista Agua Viva. This is the area of ministry that we're getting our feet wet in. Uh, we took this ministry in September of last year, almost a year to go today, I think. And um, we've seen it go from three, and I heard that last night at youth group they had 24. So the Lord is working. We've seen many teenagers come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And we have seen the Lord open up huge doors that we would never have even imagined. You see at the bottom, uh, it'd be my left, your right, I guess, uh, that basketball court was given to our church. And a group of Americans come down. They said, we want to give you all a basketball court. Uh, we've brought all the money to pay for everything. Show us where the store's at. We'll buy it. And we brought the labor to do it. Amen. And since then, I can't keep kids off of it. Not that I'm trying to. Basketball court's full every day. You see some of, the, some of our teenagers here. This is our current youth group down here in the bottom. Uh, that's our core group there, uh, along with a few others that are still trying to decide whether or not they want to be there or not. Go ahead and go to the next slide, brother. Here you see a couple of uh, young men who were born again not too long ago uh, when we had a Dominican pastor visit, and he preached a strong sermon on the promises of God, and these two young men accepted Christ as their Savior. Over here, uh, you see the young man with me. He accepted Christ as his Savior about three months ago. And uh, it's just a joy to see God working in their life. Go ahead and go to the next slide, brother. This is my buddy Ramon. And if you would ever meet Ramon, some of y'all will when you come to the Dominican Republic, Ramon will tell you that he is a wicked sinner. He is wide open about it. But he will also tell you that Jesus is a great Savior. Amen. And he loves Jesus. He went from being the town drunk, the town womanizer, to the town preacher. He will come to church and he'll tell me, Pastor Josh, I preached to X number of people this week. And I promise you, they really don't want to hear it. But he preaches to them anyway, amen? <laughs> That's just a few people, a uh, few faces to put with names uh, when you pray for us, when you pray for the people of the Dominican Republic, just remember these people. Because some of them are just getting started out. 
Salvation is just the first part. Sure, they're on their way to heaven, but there's a whole long discipleship process now that starts. They grow in the Lord as they begin to serve the Lord, as they begin to grow and submit themselves to His authority little by little. In the Dominican Republic, they say, poco a poco, little by little, chin a chin. But there are some of us here this morning that have had a relationship with God for a very long time. And you got a hold of the pew and you got a hold of your Bible like this because God's calling you to do something. He's calling you to submit yourself to His authority and you have not done it yet. I want you to know I've been praying for you, whoever you are. I don't know who you are, but I've been praying for you. The Bible says that we're supposed to pray the Lord of harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. As a missionary, I hear a lot of people say, there's not as many missionaries as there used to be. As there used to be. It's because there ain't as many people of God praying for laborers in the field as there used to be. That's why. We don't have anybody to blame but ourselves. At any point in time in Harabakoa, I can walk out into the streets of Harabakoa and I can find between 30 and 40 Jehovah Witness missionaries walking around. They knock on my door. Imagine that. They want to talk about the Bible. We won't go there. We don't have time for that. I can go out into the streets of Harabakoa and I can find 15 to 20 Mormon missionaries at any given point in the day walking the town. You know how many Baptist missionaries are in my town? Two. You know how many lost people are in my town? About 90,000. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. Are you submitted to his authority this morning? This morning I want to get into the, the book of Mark. I was teasing... Brother John Houston, me and him are good friends, and we like to tease each other quite a bit. I told him I was going to go Mark chapter 1 through chapter 5, verse by verse. Amen? <laughs> when I preach in a Haitian church, if you don't go for a good three, four hours, they get mad at you. Because they walked a long way. They want to hear some good preaching, but I promise I won't keep you that long. But this morning I want to talk to you about five rational reasons why we should submit ourselves to the authority of Jesus Christ. See, I don't believe in such a thing as blind faith. I don't. I don't believe the Bible teaches blind faith. I believe there was direction given and faith exercised. Abraham just didn't get up one day and say, well, guess what? I got faith, so we're going to start walking. No, the Lord told him, get up and get out and go to the land I've prepared for you. And he exercised his faith and he got up and he got out. That's how faith works. There is reason behind everything that we do. Nothing that we do is arbitrary. Amen? Amen? I like a good cheeseburger. That's why I eat cheeseburgers. I have a reason and an action. This morning I want to give you five reasons why you should submit yourself to the authority of Jesus Christ. And then there will be a point in time for decision right down front for you to come down here and make up your mind whether or not you want to do it. And I promise you, if you do, you will not regret it. In the last year and a half, I have had some of the craziest adventures that you can't even imagine. I've seen stuff you can't even fathom. Why? Because I submitted myself to the authority of Christ. And I'm not trying to puff myself up. Like I told you before, I'm nobody. But with Him, 
All things. How many? All things are possible. And if you serve Him, you are going to end up in places doing things that you never thought possible. I speak Spanish now. It's incredible. I was telling, I was telling the, uh, a couple of people before church, my mind's all kinds of messed up. Because sometimes I can't remember the word in Spanish, and sometimes I can't remember the word in English. So if I forget a word, just forgive me and move on. Amen? Let's go ahead and go to the first reason. Why should we submit ourselves to the authority of Jesus Christ? Because Jesus is the Son of God. Look at Mark 1.1. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The who? The Son of God. The Word proclaims Jesus to be the Son of God. Look at Mark 1, chapter 7. And preached, that being John the Baptist, and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than I after me, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. John the Baptist preached it. The presence of the Holy Spirit in Mark chapter 1 and verse 10. Go there with me. And straightway, coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opened and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And there came a voice from heaven saying, Thou art my beloved who? Son, in whom I am well pleased. See, the Word proclaims it. John the Baptist preached it. And the presence of the Spirit confirmed it. And not only that, the Father himself declared it, as we just read in verse 11. And finally... All of hell understands and declares him to be the Son of God. Look down with me uh, further down into chapter 1 and verse 24. Here we see a man with an unclean spirit in the synagogue and he's crying out. And the demons begin crying out inside of him, verse 24, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy one of God. Look at Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3 and verse 11. Mark chapter 3 and verse 11. And the unclean spirits in this verse proclaim as well. When they saw him, fell down before him. That's key. They worship him. All of hell has to worship him. That ought to give us some comfort and some hope right there. They have to. We get to. Verse 11, and unclean spirits, when they saw him, fell down before him and cried, saying, Thou art the Son of God. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Almighty. He is one part of the Trinity. All things were made by him, and not anything that we can see today exists without him. He holds everything like that. Many of y'all have seen me right here in front of this very church put out a tarp with dirt on it. And if Jesus was to let go like that, we would all turn to piles of dirt. Because He is the Creator. He is the Redeemer. He died for all. Amen? Amen. Salvation has appeared to all men. According to the book of Titus. All men. Are you willing this morning? Are you willing to be used in the plan of God? Are you willing to let God work in your life in such a way that when the unsaved world sees you, they go, whoa, that's not the guy I remember. That's not the girl I remember. What are they doing? He is the Son of God. And as the Redeemer, He can change your life where you will be unrecognizable to those who knew you before. 
And not only is He the Redeemer, but He is the King of kings. And according to the book of Philippians, one day every knee will bow. So I challenge you today to come down and bow right here before Him. Because the reality is, is Jesus is with us in the room today. One thing that I absolutely despise, it is my biggest pet peeve, I talk to my wife about it all the time, is that we talk about Jesus like He is not in the room, and that is a lie from the pit of hell. He is here, and we sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Amen? Y'all can get up and shout a little bit. I'm used, to, I'm, I'm, I'm used to preaching in another country. Boy, they get a little loud and rowdy when we start preaching. What you, some of y'all got a hanky, you can wave it. And if that goes against your religion, you can give me a Presbyterian cough. I'll take that too, amen? <laughs> Reason number two. The disciples recognized his authority. This is very crucial. Go back to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Verse 16 through 18. Now as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon, this is, being, this is Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. And when he had gone a little further thence, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the ship, mending their nets. And straightway he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the ship with the hired servants and went after him. And they went into Capernaum, and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his doctrine. Who is they? I believe it is the disciples. If you look at it hermeneutically, the disciples, he called them, he walked with them into the synagogue, he began to teach them. There may have been others present, I'm not going to deny that, but I believe he was teaching specifically to the disciples in this particular moment in time. And it says, they were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had what? Authority. Not as the scribes. Wow. That is just unbelievable to me. Imagine a guy walking up to you and he says, hey John, now uh, I know you work furniture, but come with me. Come on. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And you just leave everything and you follow him. Imagine that. Cooper, I know you're a student. I know you're studying, but get up. Come on, follow me. And you get up and follow him. You know how many people will look at you and go, dude, you, are, you have lost it. But they recognized his authority. All 12 of them. If you look over in Mark chapter 2, and verse 14, we see that he called Levi who we know is Matthew. It says, And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. They understood who Jesus was. Maybe they didn't understand all of it fully in that particular moment, but they knew he had authority because when he called them, they got up and left. Can you imagine right now in this moment Jesus Christ is calling somebody in this room. I believe that or I wouldn't be preaching this sermon. And all you have to do is get up and go. That's all you have to do. It's that simple. Get up and go. And do what? And preach the gospel to every creature. It's not hard. Say, Josh, I don't know how to preach the gospel to every creature. 
Well, Jesus changed you, didn't he? Just tell him what Jesus did for you. It's real simple. Jesus died for me. I was a wicked old sinner. You ask Ramon. Ramon will tell you. Pastor Josh, and sometimes, you know, because he came out of another religion, he'll start confessing to me, and i got to tell him, oh, hey, listen, I don't want to hear that. You tell that to Jesus. Amen? You tell him, I was a wicked old sinner. And Jesus, the one who created me, the one who loves me, the one who died on the cross for me, I put my faith and trust in him for by grace am I saved through faith. And he changed me like that. And nobody recognizes me anymore because I'm a new creature. It's that simple. Third reason, the devils are subject to his authority. The devils are subject to his authority. Go back to Mark chapter 1 and verse 23 through 27, what we just looked at a second ago. It says, And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, thou Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he command, or commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do what? Obey. Obey. I don't have to be scared of Satan. Sometimes I am, I'm not going to lie. I've seen stuff that will make the hair on the back of your neck turn up. But I don't have to be. I don't have to be afraid of the unclean spirits. Why is that? Because they're subject to his authority. I don't have no power within myself. But at the moment I got saved, the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I have the power that I need to to do the work that He has given me to do. Amen? Amen. And so do you. So why are you still sitting there? Why? I know Jesus is calling somebody here today. I know it. Or I wouldn't be preaching this sermon. Not only that, but look at Mark chapter 5. Here we see the maniac of Gadara. Look at verse 7 specifically. And cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? There it is again. All the realms of heaven know, or all the realms of hell know who he is. Whether it's in the spirit or in the body, they know. I adjure thee by God. Isn't that interesting? That thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that, we would not, that he would not send them away out of the country. And there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. They weren't allowed to leave till he told them, Amen. They had to stand there in his presence. And this morning... In Christ Jesus, we are in His presence. We are under His authority. The question is, is, are you submitted to it? And forthwith, Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There was about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. 
And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they, came to, and they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. See, when you're a new creature, it scares people. Because they know something's different. They know. What is it? I hope they say, I want some of that. Amen? These people here didn't want it. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. He didn't want to leave his presence. What about you? Are you tired of his presence this morning? I know some Christians that are. You know why? Sin. It's real simple. Sin. Because see, when you are in the presence of the most holy one of God, our sin is under a magnifying glass. And we begin to get uncomfortable. But he loves you. For by his grace, we are saved unmerited favor, His mercy. Freely given to all men. Fourth point. Sickness and sin respond to His authority. When it's brought into the light, you have to do something with it. I live in the Dominican Republic. There's a lot of cockroaches. I don't even know how many cans of spray we go through a month. I think it's a line budget at the camp. You turn on the light, and you see them. <laughs> Why? Because they respond. They respond. The same is true of us. We're nothing in His sight. But when we're in His presence, we have to respond. Everybody responds. We either respond the right way or the wrong way. We either get right or we get gone. Sickness and sin respond to His authority. Look, if you will, in Mark chapter 2. Or excuse me, Mark chapter 1. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Mark chapter 1, verse 30. But Simon's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. Immediately the fever left her. There's healing in the name of Jesus, amen. There's healing in the presence of Jesus, amen. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to get it, because sometimes he has a higher will. He has a higher purpose. And just because you don't get healed doesn't mean that you're an inferior believer. Amen? I want you to understand that. There was a blind man who was blind from birth, and the disciples asked, Jesus, why is he like that? And he said, for this very moment, so that I can show the glory of the Father. If you don't get healing, it's because you're an instrument of God's glory. If you do get healing, it's because you're an instrument of God's glory. But sickness responds to his authority. Our responsibility is in the very next phrase, and she ministered unto them. No matter what your physical condition, that should be your response. You were designed to glorify God through ministry. What is ministry? Serving others. It's real simple. Loving others. Oh, y'all forgive me. 
But last month, that little lady right there that I love so much was laying in the hospital. Of dengue fever. And God's got me reading and prepping this sermon in that time. Don't you tell me this ain't real. Because I'm sitting there and I'm begging God not to take her from me. Praise God she's here with me this morning. But even in that moment, my responsibility and her responsibility was to minister. Don't matter what you feel like. Don't matter what you're scared of. Our responsibility is to minister to those around us. Amen? Amen. I'm going to try not to keep you all four hours, but man, if I don't keep getting some amens. <clears throat> Let me see the man that they let him down in the roof there in Mark chapter 2. His friends ripped the roof up and sent him down. And Jesus looked at him in verse 5. Jesus saw their faith, and he said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. Sin responds to his authority. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And guess what? All the little stiff-necked gospers started murmuring. Started flapping their mouth. For there were certain of the scribes sitting there reasoning in their hearts. They didn't even say it out loud. But they were still yakking. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Why doth this man thus speak blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God only? And immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they so reasoned within themselves, he said unto them, Why reason ye these things in your heart? Whether is, is it easier to say to the sick of the palsy, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Arise and take up thy bed and walk, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. And at this moment, he turns to the sick man. He says, take up your bed and walk. Whew. I'd have liked to have seen that. And guess what? He got, up in it, he got up, took up his bed, and walked. There was a command, and then there was an act by faith. Amen? Imagine if he had just laid there. Oh, Jesus, I can't do it. We do that spiritually. Jesus says, get up and go. Oh, Jesus, I can't do it. I'm going to tell you what I tell my son every day. And he's only three, but I tell him every day. And some of y'all might not like this, but I don't care. He's not your kid. He's mine. <laughs> so what you want does not matter. What you are told to do matters. Christian, what you want does not matter. Your life is a living sacrifice. The sacrifice never gets up off the altar. We had a missionary here about four years ago. I remember he's a church planner in New Mexico. And he said that. And the moment he said that, my life changed forever. The sacrifice doesn't get up off the altar. You are a living sacrifice. It is your reasonable service. Reasonable service. What you want does not matter. What you are told to do matters. And he told us to get up and to go. Get up and go. And preach the gospel to every creature. Finally, the fifth point. Some of you are going, oh, amen. But you're not going to say it out loud, amen. <laughs> verse 5. Or excuse me, verse 5. <laughs> point 5. Even the creation obeys his authority. Look at Mark chapter 5 and verse 35. Mark 5, 35. 
I in the right spot? No, I'm not in the right spot. Excuse me, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And the same day, when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. I love this picture right here. Every time I see this picture, I think of this passage of Scripture. Because that is the kind of tormentive storm that I believe these disciples were in. Look at that lighthouse being engulfed with that wave. Don't tell me you wouldn't be scared. I'd be terrified. Hurricane Dorian just destroyed the Bahamas. 200 mile an hour sustained winds for 24 hours wiped the island clean. But creation obeys his authority. I can't even imagine being in something like that. I can't imagine being in a ship and seeing the ship full. I'd be freaking out, I'm just going to tell you. But look at what Jesus was, verse 38. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. Imagine that. Why? Because he knows who he is. He knows who he is. Do you? He's the Son of God. He's your Creator, He's your Redeemer, He's your King. He knows who he is. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? They just saw all these miracles. Mark chapter 1. Down to the end of chapter 4, Jesus called him. He saw him heal sick people. He saw him deliver demons, or demon-possessed, excuse me. They saw all these things, and they get in the ship, and they're terrified. And he looks at him, and he says, how is it that you have no faith? Christian, I want to ask you this morning, how is it? How is it that you have enough faith to ask Jesus Christ to save you from your sin, and you believe that he saved you from your sin, but you don't have enough faith to get up and go. How come? I'm not asking you to go to the Dominican Republic, but he might be. Maybe he's just asking you to go across the street and tell your neighbor. Maybe he's not asking you to tell anybody. Maybe he's just asking you to hand a track because he knows who you are that you are but dust. He knows your frame. He knew you from the womb. And all he wants you to do is just hand a track and not say a word, but you can't even do that. How come? The two most uncontrollable elements in our atmosphere, wind and water, and he rebuked them with his mouth and they were still. I don't know about you, but that's the kind of authority I want to be submitted to. So what happens when we submit ourselves to his authority? Well, like Peter, we believe that he is the son of God and we get up and we follow him, we bring healing to our house. Like the Philippian jailer, he said, what must I do to be saved? And the apostle Paul looked at him and he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house. Why is that? Well, because the Philippian jailer accepted Christ. Now there was a missionary in the house. Amen? Amen. 
Also, there's some cultural aspects there that I don't have time to get into today. But you bring healing to your house. I don't know of anybody that doesn't want healing in their house, amen? I don't know of anybody that doesn't want peace in their house. When you get up and you follow Jesus like the disciples did, others will follow also. Because sometimes it just takes one guy to stand up and say, I'll do that. And that's all it takes. He's the catalyst. You know how many men Abraham had under his command? 300. Abraham got up and followed God, and he had 300 men with him. When one man follows God, others will follow. It is an undeniable fact. How many are not following because you are still sitting where you're sitting? How many? When we truly realize that we are subject to his authority like the devil's, there's many that will be like the scribes, and they will be absolutely amazed at what God does in your life. They won't even understand it. They'll talk about it behind closed doors. They'll wonder about it in the darkness of the night. They will question within themselves, what is it that is different about that person? I want some of it. When we respond to his authority like sin and sickness, men will glorify God. Do you know what happened when the crippled man of the palsy got up and walked? It says that they began to glorify God in chapter 2. And they said, we never saw it on this fashion. How many people are not glorifying God because you're still sitting where you're sitting? How many? And finally, when we obey him like the wind and the waves, there will be a great calm in our life. Yes, it's scary. It's scary to get a phone call to go into a neighborhood in the Dominican Republic that I really don't like going into in the daytime to go check on someone. And I got to go down there at midnight. And I literally have to walk past people who are drunk and passed out on the street. And I have to walk through trash and walk through beer bottles and all other kinds of ungodliness to get to that house because there's a little girl over there who's in the house by herself and her mom is sick in the hospital an hour away and all her mama wants to do is know that she's safe. It is a scary thing. But unless you have obeyed him, unless you have followed him, to the deepest, darkest part of his will. I can't even explain to you the calm that is there as well. Why? Because I know that I'm doing what he has called me to do. I know that beyond a shadow of a doubt. I'm doing what he has called me to do. Are you? I'm nobody special. I'm just dirt. but I want my life to matter. A great Roman emperor once said, what we do in life echoes in eternity. That is true for every Christian. Under the sound of my voice, outside those doors, and around the world, what we do in life echoes in eternity. 
what will we hear when we are at the feet of Jesus? Jesus.